Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me, as always, is my good friend, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. As always, but don't take it for granted, Sammy. Uh, greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you listen to this podcast, it's something you should know that Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists. We love to talk about cars, and that's exactly what we're going to be doing. Now, if you want to hear our take on a bunch of cars, not just the ones we're talking about today, you can read about them at autoguide.com. I'm a staffer there. You'll read my name on a bunch of stories. And you can read Ben's stuff on Autoguide, too, but he is, well, he's a big deal in a bunch of other sites. You can find him at New York Daily News. You can find him at Auto Trader. You can find him at Driving Line and Haggerty. And uh, there's at least two more, Ben. Where else? Uh, Automobile Magazine now. You can find me there. So, Ben, we're going to talk about some cars today, like we usually do. Are you ready for this? I'm fascinated by the opportunity to discuss cars with you. Okay. I'm going to start because I think I have the more important car. We can discuss this later. It is the 2020 BMW 3 Series. Now, I know how much you love the 3 Series, um, mainly because... Well, I don't know why you love the 3 Series. I know how much you like to think you do important things and drive important cars (laughs) and use the word important in reference to yourself. Did I say that enough times? Uh, Say it again. Important car. There you go. 2020 BMW 3 Series. Now, I actually think the 3 Series is a very important car because forever, the sports sedan segment, the heart and soul of that segment was the 3 Series. But for whatever for whatever reason, last generation of three series was pure butt. It was wow. Not that's good. a really strong thing to say, Sammy. You don't want to walk that back a little bit? Okay, fine. I'll walk it back a little bit. It was purely not as much fun as they were way back in the day. And I also think that a lot of BMW's biggest competitors caught up to them in a number of ways. For the 2020 generation, or the 2020 model year, they they brought it back up to par, and I think that they're uh, on top of their segment again in a number of ways. Is it the most enjoyable car in its class? I'm still not 100% sold on that, but I think the sports sedan is always this really good blend of everything, and the 3 Series is definitely that. So I can talk about a couple of things. Excuse me, I'm falling out of my chair. Wow. Uh, that's how excited I am about the, the three series. So I, I just want to go back to what you were saying about uh, you're not sure why the previous generation three series kind of fell off a little bit. I think you I think you might know. Do, do you have? Do you want to hazard a guess? Because if you won't, I will. Okay, let me just get I, – I mean, I have a diary here, and I remember uh, – let me just – Go me back – yeah, go back to, to 2016 or just, something. Yeah, yeah, here it is. Okay. Um what it's it's 20 uh, 2012 this is the BMW 3 series it's called the 335i uh drove the 335i today where's the steering that's what, <laughs> is, that's is that literally what your diary says where's the steering that's how it starts oh my goodness no you know what you're not wrong and i think what happened uh the steering disappeared and a few other things disappeared because bmw was trying to make the three series a more of a mass market car and hmm. they it worked i mean they, they sell a ton of them um uh, i think they tried to make it an audi and a c-class at the same time yeah, uh, I think that they realized that people weren't necessarily buying the car because it was sporty. They were just buying it right. because it had a sporty image. And sometimes when that happens, you, you go too far in the other direction. But you're telling me that for 2020, this has been fixed? 
I think what I think exactly what you just said is is right. They were trying to do a bunch of things, uh, and they were trying to go in the direction of their competitors, and stray further from what made the BMW what it was. So BMW, we should know. Um, I mean, they are always rubbing it in our face that they're the ultimate driving machine. I mean, I don't know if anyone's actually called it that other than themselves, but I guess when you say it enough times, it ends up being true at some point. Well, it's a good marketing um, tagline, if nothing else. <laughs> Um, and they used to be really, sh I think they, uh, it's a good way to describe them. They were pretty sharp. They were really intuitive feeling on the road and they put that feeling first and foremost, but for that last generation three series, it felt like they were trying to go in the direction of luxury and technology, um, more so than their driving experience. Now I think that they've managed to keep all of those aspects all at the same tier. And I think that's a really important thing. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. It well, it, it, it kind of sounds like they prioritized like... everything, uh, or they tried to to take a look at what made the three series so good, and made and made those aspects really good. And I think that's it's fun to drive. It's full of technology, and um, it's fairly high tech and luxurious. So I think when you say words like like uh, prioritize everything, it kind of sounds like what you're referring to is balance. Yeah, they've got good balance. It's a great way to put it. Thank you. You you complete me, Ben. It's almost like I drove the car. Uh, it, it, so <laughs> where where did you go to drive it? What did you do? Did you just putter around, or like did you do something really cool with it? What's the deal? Okay, so we drove um, in a place called uh, Portugal. Uh, it's a country, Sammy. It's a country. I know. I I was hoping you've heard of country. It's uh there's a place called Algarve, Portugal. It's a very um resort oriented um area of Portugal. And it was pretty nice because, for starters, the speed limits are 120 kilometers an hour. And more so than that, people didn't care about the speed limits at all. I'm in this BMW. It's a 330i. I'm, uh, yeah, 330i. I'm driving it along, and I'm doing 140 or so, and somebody passed me like I was wa like I was standing still. And they were... In like a Fiat 500 or something. So I want to, I want to, I want to hear that you took this like a, someone had thrown a gauntlet down in front of you and you just nailed the throttle and embarrassed them. <laughs> Is that what happened? Um, no, I kind of was, I was kind of in amazement that people had zero um, fear that they were going to get busted for speeding or anything like that because I've heard in some places that Portugal can be a little. Um, um, strict with their with their speed limits, and that was not but your experience. That was definitely not my experience. So we drove this 330 on the on the streets of Algarve, um, and this is the vehicle that has a four cylinder engine. And then we went to um, probably one of the most impressive tracks I've ever been at. It's called the Autodromo. It's the Algarve Autodromo in a in a place called Portimao, and it's a very well done track. And we drove prototype all wheel drive six cylinder models on this track. Oh, hey, and you were telling me about the. Tell me, we were talking about this before the show. Tell me why you like that track so much. What was the, what was the um, main thing about that track that really just stood out to you? So, I'll 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 talk a little bit about our tracking experience. Uh, I think sometimes you go to some tracks and they're very flat and a little they're very flat and technical. And a little boring in that sense. And then there's other tracks that are really, they're full of elevation change and they're a little grisly because they're less technical and you have to be kind of awake and and, um, and paying attention to what the car is doing. Well, that's kind uh, of a good philosophy, you know, in all driving, driving situations, yes. but, but especially on a racetrack, right? Like, yes. Sorry. Uh, it, 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 I mean, some cars aren't the most... Um, communicative so you don't have that feeling of knowing what the car is doing at every uh every element of a of a track 
So the the cool thing about the autodroma was it was a really good blend of technical um, as, uh, technical corners, high speed straights, and then lots of really cool elevation change. In fact, there was a lot of really neat um, uphill to downhill, like really sharp downhill segments. Not nearly as as sharp as or as deep as steep as say the corkscrew at Laguna Seca, but pretty good. And it was pretty exciting to to. To, in, to take a car that you've never driven before on a track that you've never driven before and emerge pretty confident and, and happy when so many times you can you can just return the keys and say, you know, I've had enough of that um, when you don't know, when you're not confident, when you're not inspired by the vehicle. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. So let's get back to this car, though. The four-cylinder is wicked. I don't know. They tell me it's 255 horsepower and 295 pound-feet of torque. Definitely not. It feels... So much faster than that, um, but this is a this is an issue that a lot of people bring up with BMWs. What do you want to hear when you're driving this car? Oh, I want to hear the exhaust. Yes. You, how do you want to hear it? Just a real question. I want to hear it like. Hear it yeah, I want to actually the, hear it. I want to actually so, hear it. I don't want to. I don't want it to sound like I'm in a video game and that every car suddenly has a V8 engine under the hood, which is like how so many of these piped through the speakers fake exhaust systems sound. Okay, so it's not. From what I understand, it's not quite fake, but it is pumped through the speakers. It's, I think, the real sound of the car just amplified through the speakers. And they had to do that because the car has become so much quieter. And you only get that that noise through the two sports modes, the Sport and the Sport Plus mode. What do you think of that idea? Comfort mode, really quiet, you don't hear anything. Sport and Sport Plus mode, things are pumping through the speakers. To me, it, it becomes a video game. I, I, you know, even AMG is doing that these days, where I'm not necessarily through the speakers, but the car is just super quiet unless you're in, you know, balls out mode. And I don't Your always. Question is, what do you have against video games? <laughs> I don't have anything against video games, but when I'm driving, I want to be driving, and when I'm playing a video game, I want to play a video game, you know? Okay. I mean, video games, here's the thing, video <laughs> games are trying to imitate reality, right? Yeah. Why is reality trying to imitate a video game? That seems like the, the exact opposite of the direction we should be going in. It's, it's not like that sound isn't there. That sound is purposely being muted and then being amplified after being muted so that we can hear it. That's so, it's almost Kafka-esque from a design perspective. <laughs> Um, okay, I agree with you. Um, I do think that the engine ended up sounding really good, and they do incorporate those cackles and, and pops that, you know, BMW has really um, overdone in the past. I don't know if you've driven a, B, uh, a, sorry, not a BMW, a mini product recently. When you put one of these in the sport mode, suddenly it's like you're driving around with, like, fireworks happening behind you. It, Have you? it, it would be like if BMW <laughs> sold you an invisible car. <laughs> and then was like, hey, we have these really cool wraps that you can add to your invisible car so that you can see it. And you're like, uh, why did you make the car invisible then? And yeah. So you're not a fan of, the, of fake pumping through the I, I'm not a fan of fake stuff when the real stuff is there. <laughs> like, that's that's the thing. I mean, come on, man. Okay. Just give me, just give me the real stuff that I want that you already have. Then let me finish up. The engine in this car, super fun. Um, being on the track with the six-cylinder all-wheel drive model was also a blast because, you know, this is X-Drive. It's rear-wheel biased. And the car let you kind of uh, – not kind of – let you drift and slide the vehicle in a very predictable, fun, confidence-inspiring way. It's even a way in, that – Even in all-wheel drive? Yes. Yeah. How, how great is that? Um, and I wasn't expecting that. I think a lot of the, the other journalists I was there 
um, found themselves getting really um, amped up for this, for how much fun the vehicle was on the track. And there's one element of the car. There's actually two more elements of the car that I need to talk about. First, the exterior design. Have you looked at this car recently? No, I've never seen it. You've never seen the the new 2020 BMW. No, because they do not prepare for our episodes. <laughs> right. I, I rely entirely on your preparation, and if you do not send it to me mere moments before we go on the air, you cannot assume that I've seen it or even know what we're going to be talking about that day. <laughs> okay. So here's the thing: the uh, profile looks like a car. The rear end has taillights that look like uh, Lexus taillights, and the front end is maybe the most BMW of them all with these kidney grills. Um, when you say it. profile looks like a car, I mean, is that good? It's, it's <laughs> no, a car. It's, it's I like... find the car completely anonymous looking, and I think this is a huge miss for BMW to make their vehicle stand out when some of their competitors are making such gorgeous cars. The the Oh, goodness. I'm having a brain fart. Oh, I'm looking the at Genesis it. I'm looking at it. The G70 looks great. The I'm Mercedes C Class, I love the, the conservative aspect of that vehicle. It looks really sharp. Um, the I, You know how much I love the Cadillac ATS, even though it's kind of dated now? Gorgeous car, too. Infinity Q50. Wow. And the BMW just looks like. I, I can't. I cannot describe it any more than saying, yeah, that's what a car looks like. Yeah, I'm looking at it now because Sammy sent me the link because I need my handheld at all times. And yes. uh, I agree, it's definitely an anonymous-looking design. I mean, it's not bad, it's not good, it just looks like... If, if someone was like, hey, uh, what do you expect a BMW to look like? Yeah. <laughs> this is this is what you would get. I mean, now, the, the kidney grills in the front, is it my imagination? Or are they getting so big they're now bigger than the headlights? <laughs> oh yeah, they look... Huge, and you know what was funny? You know, the, you know, whenever we go to one of these events, uh, a design guy walks up on stage and and says a bunch of buzzwords to describe the uh, the what they did. And I don't think he said anything of any real value. I believe he said <laughs> the grill is now uh, th more three dimensional than before. And I'm like, we everything is three dimensional in here. What, what do you mean? Where are it's we? So Maybe we're in a video game too, Ben. <laughs> Man, no, it's it's from the front. I think the front is clearly its most flattering angle. Well, what's right. it like inside? Inside is a is an upgrade over the last generation model because I found that's where they dropped the ball and tried to mainstream or mass market the three series. And that by that I mean that they really cheapened out on the quality of some of the materials. This new model has a better uh, mix of materials. It feels a little bit more premium. Um, and what I like about BMWs is that they don't go too heavy on all of the buttons. They don't go too heavy on all the on all the fancy technology. It's a very good blend. It's easy to get accustomed to, and they know interior ergonomics really well. So much so that they put a new digital dash in the vehicle, and the shape of the steering wheel and where it's placed does not get in the way of that digital um, gauge cluster, which is a huge issue facing cars today and you can you can donate some money to that cause by getting a three series <laughs> i guess no it's so true i agree with you there's so many times where i'll be driving a car and you'll be cruising on the highway and your hands will be in you know a position that holds the wheel straight 
and right. all of a sudden you can't see part of the dash that you need to see. Like right. warning lights disappear, and uh, you can't. My my biggest pet peeve is turn signals. If I can't see my turn signals, and I don't, because it's hard to know in a modern car. You said the BMW 3 Series is getting so quiet. Modern cars are so quiet you can't necessarily tell if your turn signals are on. Um, that doesn't right. make any you sense. Mean the actual, what am I? The little icon that says that you're. No, but that doesn't make any sense because the, the click the, the click is inside the car. So if the car is quieter, I should be able to hear it. I guess what I'm saying is I listen to the music so loud I can't hear the click, and and if I can't see the that the turn signal is on, sometimes I'll hit it again. I'll hit it a second time with the wheel cranked, right. and it'll turn it off. And I don't know that either. So now I'm the idiot slash jerk <laughs> who's like turning with no turn signal, and. Uh, yeah, that's anyway. So I I completely agree. It's really easy to obscure. Um, and and I think that I don't know if the position of turn signals is legislated. I'm pretty sure the color of the turn signal on the gauge cluster and the the, the shape of the icon that has yeah. to be that's universal. But they people people and by people I mean designers they just kind of place it willy nilly wherever these days. Um, so actually, you know what? We should talk about that noise, that tick tick noise, because they change in each car. Um. And I think Fords have the most annoying one. It's this really weird. It's a weird sound, and I don't think you can miss that one. But if you've ever been driving with navigation, haven't you ever had the car dim your music to tell you a navigation instruction? Yeah, it's so then, annoying. I turn it off so all the time. Do you think you would prefer to to have the car dim the, or like mute the the volume to tell you that you're? The tick, Are you kidding? Noise? Are you, you kidding? If anyone if anyone messes with my tunes, I lose my mind. Let alone a rope. Wait a minute. Did the Forrester <laughs> robot give you this idea? Yeah. Okay. So actually, it was a it was a combination between the Forrester and the Porsche Sport response. So for thirty uh. seconds, all of the music goes down so that you can hear. You can. Hear it's the, called a safety timeout. <laughs> trademark. Okay. Uh, what were we talking about? The three series. They're yes. telling me that this car has one of the first curved screens. In the industry, which no I'm not one cares about that. Okay. Good. No one does. Anyone? <laughs> if any of our listeners care about curved screens inside a car or curved screens anywhere, I I, I would like you. I challenge you <laughs> to reach out to us because Stop I remember, it. I remember when there were all those curved TV screens. Remember Samsung? I think it was had a yeah. big. They were like, oh yeah, we're gonna curve the screen an imperceptible amount, and it's going to immerse you somehow in the image. And, and then no one bought those screens, yeah, like, mainly at because all. all of your friends who were sitting at the edge of the room were like, I can't see what's going on. No, it was it was horrible. Okay, so then what you'll find interesting is that the car has a. Uh, you're gonna love this because it's your it's right up your alley. It's a digital assistant that's kind of like uh, M Bucks, also known as MBUX, the Mercedes Benz uh, digital assistant. So in this case, you instead of saying, hey, Mercedes, you say, hey, BMW. I think that makes sense. Um, and you can also rename it to whatever you want. But Oh, man. So, you know, we named ours Charlie. Uh, other people named theirs um, Dickhead and Rusty Trombone, which I thought was very interesting. Um, so if you're if you're borrowing, does it always respond to Hey BMW like yeah, forever? Always forever. Okay, so you can so it's not like you could take a friend's car yeah. and change it to something, and then they they're locked out forever. They can't speak to it ever. <laughs> um, however, it's still like really German Germanic in the way that you have to like change it. You're like, Hey BMW, I want to change your name. It's like no. I don't understand that. I have to change. You have to say, "Hey BMW, I need to change the activation word or something like that." And they're like, "I got gotcha. you. What do you want me? What do you want to? What do you want me to respond to?" So you have to be precise. What's, what do you have against being precise, Sammy? It uh, kind of seems like 
precision is important in a modern world. I don't know. I think with these assistants, it's it's a very important key to be natural and to to say things um, to the thing to the device that makes sense with the least amount of thinking. It needs to feel like it flows. Um, okay. So Mercedes has done a pretty good job of that. If you said something like "I'm cold," it'll it'll trigger the heated seats or or bump up the temperature. And I couldn't get that working in, the, in this BMW. Now I don't know if it's because I don't know, it couldn't hear me properly. But one of the cooler parts of it is if you say if you say change the temperature to 22 degrees, it will it can tell who is issuing that command from the left or the right side of the vehicle, and it will change that side in the tools in the dual zone climate control. It'll change that side. So it also Just, means that people in the back seat can like yell it out and mess with your mess with your cooling. Yeah, I mean, everyone loves backseat drivers and backseat climate control people. Um. So, anyways, anyways, but in terms of how it drives, you're happy with how it drives? I think it's a it's a huge improvement over the last generation model. Um, I think it's better than the C class. I think it's better than the A4. I need to drive it back to back with the G70, which I currently think is is probably the best in its class right now. Um, although the G70 suffers a little bit in terms of I think interior space and some technology is not quite there. This car has more technology, not just with that um, that assistant but like i said the digital gauge cluster it has a really nice head-up display it has some even some self-driving capabilities there's um an eyes like your eyes is it hands off or eyes off or both there's wait like a minute some, eyes off sounds like something you should never have in an automobile yeah so remember the remember the forester reminds you to keep your eyes on the road i think oh this man that's that. that's not just what it does sammy the forester is a prelude to the ai takeover of our planet Okay, so this uh, is joining the Subaru um, team, and we'll tell you to keep your eyes on the road. What um, tells you? Is it like a what? What's telling you? The BMW is. So it does it have an AI or is it just like a sensor? It has a camera, um, a, a driver-facing camera that can tell when your eyes are on the road or not. Oh my goodness! Can I turn it off? I'm not sure. I didn't check. If I put a piece of black tape over the camera, does the car still run? I can only assume so. I didn't. I don't. You know how much I'm. I used to travel with black tape. Um, but you know, 9-11 happened and I can't anymore. Wow. Did you just make a 9-11 joke? You know how hard traveling has become since then? Okay. Awkward pause. Um, we'll be right back. Oh no. (laughs) And that's the sound of our sponsors running in the other direction. Oof. Do we have sponsors yet? What was I talking about? Oh yes. Here's a great feature it has. Um, if you drive in a in a in a into a dead end, let's say that a dead end. Yeah. Okay. To, We're in the dead end. I, am I blindfolded? Do I have a bag over my no. head? What's going and on here? And you find out that you cannot make a proper uh, U-turn or three-point turn out of and 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 leave that way. You would have to go through it backwards, reverse. Right. Oh no. Oh and no! So for some Have people, they removed reverse gear from no, the BMW 3 Series? It's still there. <laughs> Leading cause of accidents among 3 Series drivers, no longer a problem. Yeah. Um, so what this car does is it retraces your last 50 meters, so that if you get stuck or anything like that in a in a in a tough to navigate dead end, um, you just press this button and it will it'll completely go. It'll it'll retrace your steps in reverse, so that you don't have to worry about. Um, any difficult navigation issues while driving back. How do you feel about this feature? Um, 
It's a really neat gimmick. I think the reason they gave this feature is probably because um, it's an enhancement of the of the software they already have for their parking assistance. So I think it just is a no-brainer. They could just add it, no problems. I feel like it's taking a little bit too much um, credit out of the driver's hands. And if we leave drivers unaccountable for the way that they drive um, in, in, in forward or reverse gears then they're just going to expect cars to do everything for them. And they won't have to drive. This is one of those real things where I don't, where, you know, some people say semi-autonomous driving or driving assistance takes the, the driving out of the driver's hand and they'll just be lazy and won't know how to drive anymore. And I think this is an actual use case scenario, like an actual case where that's possible. So um, you're totally cool with Subaru monitoring everything you're doing at all times. With because the, they're reminding me to keep my hands and my eyes on the road to drive. You know what I mean? What if you pull into a dead end and Jason Statham standing there staring at you? Wait, wait, and well, you up. have no, Which no, no. Jason wait, wait. Let Statham. me finish. Let okay. me finish. And you have seconds to decide what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Can the BMW system get you out of that situation? Yes. To, can it do it fast enough that I'm not going to get kicked in the face by Jason Statham? One hundred percent, yes. But you no, got to remember that was a trick question because no, no one is that fast. Not <laughs> even, not even AI. Despite Jason Statham. Killing one of the main characters of of um, the cast of The Fast and the Furious, by the latest movie, he's considered a family, which makes no sense to me. What does that have to do with the question that I asked you? Well, so if you, is that just something Jason that's been Statham, bothering you for yeah. all this time and you had to get it out? I did have to get it. I had to get it out. Um, there's good Jason Statham and there's bad Jason Statham. So you got to know which one we're dealing with. Are we done with the three series yet? I don't want to talk about this car anymore. I guess we're. I mean, I guess we're. Done. I think it's a um, it's a return to form for BMW. Um, there's some neat um, technology features in there. You gotta love talking to your car for it, and uh, they didn't design it in any fancy special way at all. So there's that's the summary. Let's talk about your car. What did you do, and where did you go, Ben? So I went to uh, Abu Dhabi in United Arab Emirates, which is. Uh, I've been there. Yeah, you have been there. Why were you there, Sammy? I was uh, proposing to my fiance. That's that's a beautiful story. And moving on, um, it, it's it's a country in the Middle East, and it is uh, at the very edge of the Middle East, uh, and on the Persian Gulf. And w- I was there to drive the Audi e-tron, which is a completely electric SUV. One hundred percent, kind of like the Tesla Model X. Yeah, one hundred percent. There is it's a vehicle that's it's um, based on a version of the same platform that underpins the Q7. It, it's modified, obviously, to have um, electric motors. There's just two electric motors. Uh-huh. And it, um, it, it's – what's impressive about the vehicle to me is this is the first time, I think, in the luxury sphere where we're seeing a direct competitor to Tesla that doesn't feel like it's also some type of science experiment at the same time. <laughs> so BMW i has been doing a lot of stuff like i3, i8. But those cars are not everyday cars. No, the I- def- you're 100% right. They look like they were built in a laboratory. Well, I guess yeah. all cars are kind of built in a... <laughs> No, Sammy, cars are not grown in a laboratory. They're are built they? in a factory. Oh, my bad. <laughs> You've been lied to. That Wait, AI has been lied to you. Just no, Sammy, it's... industrial laboratory? <laughs> Don't believe Benjamin. It's a laboratory. Um, Super Forester, is that you? <laughs> I love you, you. You don't have to yell, Sammy. I'm oh, all right. around you. <laughs> so... 
the, so anyway, yeah, the i3, the i8, they, they look, they're eye-catching, they're futuristic looking, and that's on purpose because BMW wants to attract attention to the program and get people excited about these cars, and I get it. But the e-tron, it pretty much just looks like an Audi SUV. It, it has some elements on it where you're looking at it and you're like, yeah, it's different. It has a call-outs to it being electric and uh, it's it's maybe a bit snazzier, but it's it's sized between the Q5 and the Q7. It actually splits the difference pretty much across the board, wheelbase, interior room, cargo volume, all of that. Um, but why this is important is because we've been waiting for this day. We've been waiting for the day when a car company comes out with a direct competitor to Tesla, but does it with build quality, reliability, and engineering. Uh, well, maybe not engineering, but build quality and reliability and a dealer network that is similar uh, to what car car buyers expect from a gas car. Right. 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 100%. The, the, they need that. They need yeah. a normal experience. To make electric cars feel like a like completely uh, regular everyday appliances too, right? Exactly, and this is a normalized electric SUV. There is no compromise required uh, when buying this vehicle in terms of how to drive it, in terms of its styling, or in terms of its price. This is a vehicle that is aimed at people who are not enthusiasts. They, these are It's aimed at people who don't care about EVs. Uh, it, it, whereas Tesla and the Bolt, which is a very good car, these were aimed at early adopters. They were right. targeted at people who are super psyched to drive an electric car. And Audi's just like, hey, guess what? We built an electric a crossover. It's the first of many. And, you know, this is the path that we're on. But it's not something that's seriously outside their expertise or seriously outside their design language. And okay. I think that that to me was the most impressive thing about the vehicle. The, the, the other, there's, there's a lot of other stuff about the e-tron that kind of speaks to that like mm. um anyone who's driven an electric vehicle they're probably aware of the fact that a lot of these cars offer one pedal driving kind of like mm. a golf cart where you lift your foot off the gas and it immediately starts braking and it can pull you down to a stop in order to use the regenerative power of the brakes to uh charge the battery so in the e-tron you can do that but it's not automatic, and there's never any one pedal. It's it's a system where you, there's two or three levels of regenerative braking, and uh, you can control that with paddles on the steering wheel. But um, if you want to coast, you can coast. You could. They wanted to make it drive just like any other vehicle. Okay. Um, like any other vehicle, so it can drive like uh, a Corolla. It can drive like a Corolla. Yeah, if a Corolla cost like eighty thousand dollars, it would be okay. similar to. <laughs> Uh, but what I mean is um, – Any they, other vehicle? Yeah, they well, they separated the regenerative system of braking from the hydraulic system of braking. So there's a lot of electric cars. They blend those things together. Right. And in, in the in e-tron, the e there are two different things. And there's almost – there's very little crossover. So when you move from one system to the next, you're really moving from one system to the next. So when you use the brake pedal, it feels like you're braking a regular car. So okay. that's just another way that Audi was like, well, you know what? You've really got to gotta stop. you got to talk to me like I'm an idiot because I kind of am. You're telling me you hit the brake pedal and the first the first chunk of that braking feel is regenerative braking or that's only when you let yeah. off the gas? The first chunk, the first chunk of it is regenerative braking. But if you go past it, you're into the uh, real, hydraulics. The real braking. Yeah, and and the transition is is um, transparent, the and there's handoff? no real, the, yeah, there's no, it's it's a handoff instead of a blend. Neat. So that, why did yeah. you think they did that? Because of exactly what I just said, they wanted to drive like a normal car. They don't want you to feel like, oh, I'm going through regen and now, oh, here's the real brakes. Like it's just, it's it's smooth enough to the point where they still get the regen done, and you can play with the regen if you want to. Mm -hmm. But if you just want to drive it like a regular car and you don't care too much about regen, you don't have to worry about it. Okay. 
Is this car like sporty? Is it fun to drive or is it a, like an appliance? It is not fun. It, it is, is not fun. Zero no, fun. It is. It, whoa, you really took that in the other direction very quickly. <laughs> Negative 100 fun. No, it's, it, it is, um, because the I-Pace, the Jaguar I-Pace, I spent a little bit of time with the I-Pace. We even took it on a autocross course, which is super fun. You know how much I love autocross. And yeah, you're a big autocross head. Yes. Uh, I really don't like autocross at all. It's all these pylons. They stress me out. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, that was You were talking about how you were abused by a pylon as a child. No, I wasn't. Uh, that was really fun to drive. So is this e-tron? It's not like that. No. it's uh, So the Q5 and the Q7, not fun to drive, right? They're perfectly competent. Yes, They're right. good luxury crossovers. I'm not a big fan of the Q5, but I like the Q7. Mm-hmm. So uh, think of the e-tron as being that kind of experience. It's 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 quick in a straight line. Um, right. It doesn't throw your head back. If you put it in sport mode, it gives you the full... It has a 95 kilowatt hour battery pack. Question. I have to interrupt you here. Is it in sport mode or dynamic mode or whatever the dumb thing no, you it's, call it? No, it's... I'm pretty sure it's sport mode. Okay, good. It gives you, like, uh, access to a certain number of seconds of the full battery power. Is it 30 seconds? Because that would be very <laughs> Porsche-like, and I'm into that. And it sounds very sporty to me. I honestly don't remember how many seconds it was, and it happened so fast I couldn't count them. Um, okay. you're, you, you were talking about speed limits before in Portugal, so in, in uh, United Arab Emirates, oh, yes. or UAE as I'm going to say for the remainder of the podcast, it's 100 miles an hour in a lot of places. And it's and strict. If you're, over, if you're over that by, I think, 11 kilometers an hour, they, t- they have a, a camera every kilometer. And if you're well, over that, you get charged a pretty, a pretty significant amount. There were a lot of sections where it was 140 miles an hour, which is like between 85 and 90. Sorry, 140 kilometers an hour, which is between 85 and 90 miles an hour. And uh, I, w- I had the cruise control set to 140 or 138. And I was getting picked up by all of the speed cameras, like oh, continually, no. yeah, continually flash bulbs going off. So I don't know what that was about, Uh-oh. but I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 pretty quick. Like uh, it, it, in a straight line, it's fast. With in the in that sport mode, with the full boost action of the entire um, battery pack behind you, mm-hmm. you're gonna like it. it. It's it's reasonably fast in all of the circumstances as well. Uh, on the highway, you can pass quickly and authoritatively, but it's not it, dynamically. It's not interesting. Like we drove it. Um, there's a, a a mountain pass that we drove up, and the border I love between the mountains in the Middle East. They're such good roads to drive on. They're usually yeah, romanticize like, these mountains for me, Sammy. They're usually like untouched. They're they're usually either they're empty. They're very smooth. Like I don't know what they make the roads out of in the Middle East, but they're the smoothest roads I've ever seen, and I love them to death. Well, they don't have any weather, so that helps. <laughs> they have sand everywhere. How yeah, do that, no sand well, how do the... they keep the sand? How do they keep the sand off the roads? I'm yeah. just wondering the same thing. Like, I don't get it. I don't want. I'm glad that's not my job. But uh, yeah, so it's it's 355 horsepower when you're in normal mode, and then if you step into the sport mode, it's or overboost as they call it, which is kind of fun. Oh, you get it. It's eight seconds of overboost. You get 400 horsepower. But the the big thing is the torque jumps from 414 pound feet to 490 pound feet. And that's, I mean, you're looking at, you know, close to 500 pound-feet of torque for eight seconds. What would you do with eight seconds of 500 pound-feet of torque? I'd probably put my foot to the ground and go fast and break speed limits everywhere. It it gets you to 60 in five and a half seconds, which is pretty fast. But the top speed of the vehicle, 124 miles an hour. uh, That's fast enough for anyone, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. And it can can actually tow 4,000 pounds, which is pretty decent. But yeah. I don't yeah, hear and, uh, a lot. I don't hear a lot of electric automaker or electric cars boasting a tow rating. 
Uh, well, that's because that seems like it's counterintuitive to the mission of a of a of an electric vehicle, which is to stretch their battery for as long as they can go, right? Well, the mission of this vehicle from Audi is to be a regular car that just happens to be electric, like right. I was saying. So, of course, it's going to have a tow rating, and of course, it's going to try to feel as much like a normal car as possible. It also uh, the road we went up was a uh, Jebel Hafid mountain road, mm-hmm. which is there's not there are not many mountains in UAE, but uh, oh, sometimes. This one was pretty cool, and uh, going up and down the road, the car was flat. It felt good, but it wasn't. It wasn't like, oh, I'm enjoying this. I love throwing it through the curves. Blah blah blah. It, it wasn't. So, you know, I, I don't really feel that way about most crossovers. I, I don't think that they're all that intriguing to drive. So I'm not. It's not a negative point for me. Uh, um, I'm we, sorry. Is this the first time you've mentioned this in the podcast that you don't like driving? Um, you don't find driving crossovers fun. I, I I can't remember if I've talked about. I it think this past. is going to become canon from now on. You don't like crossovers. But um, you can, we went off road with it too, what? and yeah, really light off roading. Uh, we went on a trail that I had a couple of you know articulation sections in the desert where we were up on. It was like a big uh, earthen berm, and we went from one side of the car up in the air to the other side, and it handled it fine. And you can get another another 1.4 inches of ground clearance if you want. Oh. Uh, yeah, it has an air air springs standard, oh, I see. and you can drop the car by about an inch um, if you want on the highway as well. I think it does it automatically for aero reasons. But uh, one thing you, you kind of got to keep in mind is this is still a you know urban oriented crossover. It's not designed to go off road, and it does not have off road tires, which is what I discovered when we were taking some pictures and ended up in some deep sand. Uh, where I had to dig the car out with my hands oh, the yeah. entire time, hoping that there were no scorpions that were going to bite me nature's, or whatever. Nature's perfect shovel, the hand. I guess, <laughs> I guess scorpions don't bite you; they sting you. Yeah. Um, I just want to correct. Unless they're sorry hungry. to shout out to scorpion listeners in the audience. Very sorry if I offended you with that. But uh, yeah, so we had to get towed out. We got towed out by an Amarok. Um, so that was kind of a, a nice bit of global corporate synergy for for Volkswagen Group. Uh, but it was funny because um, we saw these people. We, we, we were on the side of the road, couldn't get the car out. I'm digging it out with my hands, and there were these people down the road, like watching us yeah, they in a bunch of trucks. To watch. We thought we thought they were, <laughs> we thought they were locals, but it was just Volkswagen support group taking their time <laughs> and enjoying watching me on my hands and knees in the desert sun in the afternoon trying to dig this car out. And then eventually they showed up. With with the winch, so I guess lesson learned. Um, do you think off-roading in an electric vehicle? Well, then again, that's a stupid question. Ask this. This mission of this vehicle is supposed to be as normal as possible. But do you think off-roading in an electric vehicle will be different than off-roading in a conventional uh, gasoline-powered vehicle? Yeah, because you have all your torque right available right away, right. and that can be both good and bad. I know some people have talked to me about how they don't enjoy off-roading in diesel vehicles because it's the same kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it can be harder to modulate if you're stuck or if you're trying to proceed very slowly. But I think necessary that might not necessarily be true in an EV because you have very very granular control over power delivery, right? Right. Like you can you can really limit the amount that you're and as we discovered with the traction control system in the sand, it, you can spin an EV's wheels, but it doesn't like to do that and it just prefers to lock everything down. Okay, that's interesting. Um, can I ask you, does it have no, no, downhill, no questions. Descent, downhill descent control? Yeah, it's got everything. It's got everything you want, Sammy. Can you talk to me ask about me another, Ask me another question. Ask me another question. Does it have you want. normal mirrors? 
No, it doesn't have normal mirrors. What, if, what about? <laughs> no, so it does have normal mirrors in North America, but uh, in the versions we were driving, they were the European ones, and they have the worst implementation of mirror technology I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> mirror technology. It's it's so they have these cameras on the ends of stocks on the doors. Yeah. And those cameras, they're smaller than a mirror, right? Mm-hmm. So they they provide less wind resistance, and as a result. It gets slightly better range. We'll talk about the range after this little mirror rant that I have. But uh, the the problem is... Wait, is Audi this a has... little mirror because they're small little cameras? No, no, no. So it's... That's, that's not how camera... Oh, man. Yeah, okay. I feel like I feel like that was a teachable moment that I'm just going to sail on by. <laughs> so uh, they broadcast onto these screens that are embedded in the door. But they're embedded in the door below the window, kind of where you would have the uh, controls for an electronic mirror right. in, in a normal vehicle. So you have to look down from the road every single time you want to check your blind spots or check the lane beside you. So you have to take your eyes off the road. Right. Second of all, the mirrors, the resolution, not that great. So in the daytime, really? depth perception is difficult behind you, okay. and you can't – you know how when you look at a mirror, you can raise your head and move your head around, and it changes the angle? So you can kind of see, like, down to the curb or a little bit farther behind your vehicle? You can't do that with the camera and because, yeah. because the camera doesn't move when you move your head. And, and finally, at, at, finally, at night uh, – the, the glare from headlights behind you just washes everything out. The, de- the detail is not great. Like, you couldn't look back six cars and see that there was a police car behind you. You wouldn't be able to see that detail, day or night. And finally, <clears throat> the other issue is, in order to move the mirrors, you have to use the screens themselves as a touch screen to adjust them. When you're driving, this is impossible. So I was... I was really on edge the entire time I was driving the car because I felt like I couldn't trust what the screens were showing me. And I and I kept looking where the mirror was and just seeing this camera, and I just felt totally defeated by it. Okay. What, does one screen tell you both cameras? No. There's so a screen embedded in each door. Other, I have to reach across? I don't know. I couldn't get that deep into the mirror system. Like I, so I, what you're saying though is you'd prefer safety over uh, all the benefits that um, there are zero benefits to this system. <laughs> what? And you what said I'm saying, that there's supposed to be more fuel. I mean, more what, mileage. What I'm saying is there's a technology that's worked really well for like a hundred years. <laughs> what mirrors? And yeah, and mirrors this is doesn't. Old school, man. Mirrors this is doesn't... like the MySpace of safety. Yeah, and MySpace was pretty cool. So why don't you just stop talking all of this? this jazz and listen to my point about mirrors which is that they worked (laughs) and this new technology is overly complicated for no reason it is in fact the only part of the e-tron i didn't like the only part of the e-tron you didn't like was that yet is the garbage european mirror option and you even like the eight seconds of uh eight seconds of heaven of all of the overboost i'm gonna be honest i don't deserve more than eight (laughs) seconds of heaven so yeah that's fine with me um, the other cool thing, there's, there's so many cool things about UAE though. Like it was, it was my first time in the Middle East and, um, really this is the first time. And, uh, yeah. And the UAE is celebrating, uh, 100 years of Zayed, yeah, which Sheikh is Zayed. Sheikh Zayed is the guy who founded the UAE in 1971. And, uh, it, they had their national day on the 2nd of December and I was there on the 3rd. So the streets were lit up. There's all these signs saying, you know, 47th birthday and all this stuff. And, and there's there's all, all these celebrations. And it was super cool. But so Zayed is, is, is more than a little revered in the UAE. Like, 
I don't think I went more than 10 minutes talking to anyone who lived there without his name being mentioned in some way. Yeah. Um, every public building I went to was named after him. We went to a museum. We went to a zoo. <laughs> we went to a – every second street had some relation to him in some way. Mm-hmm. He is a very popular guy, so much so that um, probably 20% of the cars I saw on the road had a giant wrap of Zayed's face on their back. Like and and when I say back, I mean either the rear window if it was a sedan, or like the full tailgate if it was one of the patrols. Right. Which is as as Sammy had mentioned earlier this year when he was in UAE, if you live there, if you're an Emirati, you have to own a Nissan <laughs> Patrol or a Land that Cruiser. That is or a Land Cruiser. That is the law. There is no way around it. I I think fully fifty percent of the vehicles I saw were patrols or land cruisers and occasionally Pajeros. Yes. Or Pajeros. Uh, but Sammy, how come you didn't tell me about Year of Zaid? How come you didn't tell me when you were there, did you see his face everywhere? I mean everywhere. Like not just on the backs of cars, but like billboards and like <laughs> portraits and like restaurants. Yeah, murals, it is just, yeah. It is pervasive. Was it like that? It was like that. I remember that. They are very proud of him. Um, I can't remember. I think I had other things on my mind when I was over there, I think, uh, is what was going on. Look, Sheikh Zayed would have blessed the union you have with your fiance. Well, we're not and... sure about that exactly, but he did, I think, in some way or another. I, wish I, should, check my, I should check my paperwork. You should check your voicemail. <laughs> hey, Sammy, it's uh, me, the Sheikh. Uh... I died in 2004, <laughs> but I still have a few minutes on my pay-as-you-go. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, I noticed that you didn't uh, put a full body wrap on the press car you drove in the middle in the Middle East. That's disappointing. I'm a little disappointed that Audi didn't wrap at least one of the uh, That's true. one of the e-trons. That's true. Who and like. A- well, what I love about the about the wraps too is, and I'm not making fun of this. I'm legitimately into the idea of people putting someone's face on their car. But um, what I loved about the wraps is there was so much variety mm-hmm. in in the life stage of Sheikh Zayed, like depending Zayed, depending on who you know who he was being represented as. But he was always like super buff and like <laughs> smiling, this big grin, and he almost always had aviators on. <laughs> yeah, and it it was just like. It was just a wholesome image, I think. It is pretty cool. I I love it. I think it's great. Uh, I was trying to wonder who would be the best person to put on. Like, first of all, would you put anyone's face on your car like that? And it was those are really well detailed. They're well done. Sometimes oh, they're see, perfect. Sometimes you see wraps and they've got like creases in them or cuts in them, and you're like, no one uh, would do that to Sheikh Zayed. It's it, true. It they're like perfection. What I kept thinking is this is right around the time that George H.W. Bush had died, right? Yes. And I kept imagining, is there anyone in the U.S. who, to celebrate the life of George Bush, would go out and get a wrap and put it on the back window of their pickup or SUV? And I was like, I don't think that's something that happens no. on, on this side of the ocean. <laughs> like, it's this is a unique uh, Emirati thing. And, and <laughs> I, I don't know who you do in Canada. I think maybe, like, Gordie Howe or Wayne Gretzky. I Wayne, think someone yeah, put Wayne a, Gretzky, for sure. Yeah, that that would be cool, a Wayne Gretzky rap. I think that that would be the least offensive, most universal rap you could put on a car in Canada. What do you, what do you think for the United States? What do you think would be a good one? I'm sure, I can't believe there hasn't been Trump um, raps yet. To be honest, people have have respect that guy and everything that he says and do does. Do you think it would have to be a political figure? Like, do you think that that's like because in Canada, I don't think Maybe. there's a political. There's not a political figure. I think that's unites enough people. So, <laughs> in this, who what what about Oprah? Oh yeah, Oprah would be great 
I think Oprah is maybe. I love these raps. There's also this one. You have this one of a guy with a Lexus LS430. And uh, there's two photos of the shake. In one, he's like touching his chin very like thought provokingly. I love this. (laughs) I love this to death. It's so cool. Anyway, it's creative. I mean, also, these people, uh, the people at the rap shop seem to have access to a startlingly (laughs) startling variety of images of the shake. Like, (laughs) unless they have a really talented graphic artist who's like, how do you want Zayed to look? Like, it's like, do you want him to look pensive? Do you want him to look like he's goofing off? Do you want him to look like he's smiling (laughs) into the future? Like, it's sweet baby Zayed. Um, Did you go to the mosque, the giant mosque there? The Sheikh Zayed Mosque? Yes, I did. I did <laughs> oh, go that there. mosque it was? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, so it's this giant mosque. And, and the, the coolest thing, one of the cool things about the mosque is Zayed didn't pay for it. And UAE didn't pay for it. And Abu Dhabi didn't pay for it. Two private donors just said, yeah, let's build a mosque. And let's have it be the biggest mosque in the world or whatever. Or the biggest mosque in, in Abu Dhabi. It's very everyone extravagant. Can, everyone is welcome. Yeah, uh, you can free. just show up. It's only closed on Fridays for prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not closed. I mean, if you're Muslim, you can go and pray there. But, uh, you know, for tourists, it's closed. But they had the call to prayer there when we were visiting, and it was gorgeous. It was it was designed to echo through the whole city. Mm-hmm. So you would hear the, the call, and then a few seconds later, you would hear it as it echoed down through the city of Abu Dhabi. So that was, that was fascinating. I'd never been to it's a, very a mosque. It's right? Yeah, it's, it's, and it's, it was well built. I mean, it's... It's not over the top. Like I was worried it would just be like, because I'm gonna. I, I've been to some some churches uh, from the past, like a few hundred years ago, when they went full out, and you know, gold gothic style everything. with everything's gold, and it's like it feels really weird. And then you, I was like, oh, I don't want this. I, you know, is the mosque gonna be like this too? But no, it was it was tasteful. It was it, it felt like a, a calm place of worship rather than a hey, look what I can do. My my Sheikh Zayed uh, mosque story is we went there on the hottest day of uh, the hottest and brightest day that could possibly occur. And I got a nosebleed in the middle of the mosque and a very in a hard like one I couldn't stop. And um, and I was so terrified of getting if you look at this place, it's pristine white like marble. It, you I did. I didn't see a single speck of dirt anywhere. And I was freaking out that I was going to spill like all this nose blood all over the floor and i w- and i remember just that was my nightmare come true um i didn't well, luckily m- you know marble's pretty easy to hose off That's and i think zayed zayed chose it for that reason you know <laughs> he doesn't want you to feel self-conscious about your nosebleeds we all know about your nosebleeds yes, it's fine it's tough um i'm glad to hear you had a good time that Etron seems really um i don't know it seems kind of expensive too right and what's the range you said well, that's I didn't actually say there is no range for North America yet. It's 248 miles on the European cycle, but we both know the European cycle is not representative of reality. Oh, so yeah. um, I'm thinking 225 is probably realistic for the states. That puts you in line with the entry-level Model X, okay, uh, which is, I think, maybe 10 miles more. But uh, if I wanted to improve the e-tron, yeah, I want 280 miles of range, like a... Like a full bore model x i think that that would be great Mm -hmm. but um like i said in my review i would i trade a little bit of range for audi build quality over the model x oh yeah 100 percent like (laughs) okay that's that's not even a question for me the interior wise the e-tron blows away the model x in terms of detail and comfort and just style Mm -hmm. it's 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 a real vehicle and it's it's um, I think that this is just the thin end of the wedge that's going to be pushing the door open wider and wider and wider. Porsche has the Mission E coming out or whatever they've decided take to call on. it. Take, take, take on. on. Take on. 
Taycan. And the, the there's going to be another e-tron GT from uh, Audi, which is going to be a car. So this this is the beginning or the end of the beginning, as as I wrote in one of my reviews. Uh, EVs are going to become uh, more than just a novelty. I'm t- and, and the e-tron the is a perfect example of that. I'm curious about the e-tron because I feel like so many Model S and X buyers are so excited about ludicrous mode and how fast their cars are. And you can just point to that. You can just say, boom, look at how fast this is. The coolest thing in the world. And this e-tron, as fast as it is, 5.5 seconds to, to highway speeds, it's not three seconds like the Model X is. And, yeah, it doesn't. And, it doesn't. But it doesn't need a party trick, Sammy. It's an Audi. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, Model X needed that because Model X has so who, many party tricks. It has yeah because who's Tesla? It has, it has a weird like uh, strobe light f- function. It has a summon mode with your cell phone, and it has all these really weird things that makes it seem like it's not just an EV. It's because they, things. it's it's aimed at enthusiasts. They need attention. They need funding. It it is a company that is doing everything it can to draw attention to it. Audi doesn't need that. Audi probably doesn't even need to make any money on the e-tron. They just need to get it into showrooms that already exist and aim it at the customers they already have and say, hey, maybe instead of a Q7, you'd like this. And bam, it, it's an entirely different business model. And as a result, you get a fully mature product rather than one that is still um, finding its place in the market. Interesting. Um, now that's that's my opinion. Anyway. Instead of the, the mirror screens, are there just going to be regular controls for the mirrors there? Well, there's going to be regular mirrors. I don't know where the controls would be. Because that looks like a big chunk of the, the dashboard missing. It is. It I is. mean, the dr- door panel. It is not something that I really want to talk about anymore because <laughs> okay, it just made bye. me so upset. But uh, I think that, that wraps up everything I wanted to say about Wait, the Wait, is it expensive um, as hell? Oh, I mentioned it was 70, 75000 for the entry level, oh, and yes. it's eighty one for the, the top tier. You could probably spend close to ninety if you wanted to um, on options and stuff. That's not that bad. Considering you no, can it's spend not. Three, not compared you can to, spend six figures on a, on a Model X, I think, right? Yeah, and compared to like a, a Q7, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not – not a huge huge gap okay cool but uh, that was a good so, we've gotten through the podcast without i've interrupted you like literally every every sentence you've tried to make uh, yeah because that's your way yes i'm sorry listeners i love ben and i don't mean to disrespect him so much and i have that uh anyway um <laughs> um let's... if people wanted to if people wanted to hear you interrupting me on a more regular basis how would they do, how would they do that i would recommend them to come to our website. It's unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. And when you're over there, you can see our entire archive of all of our old episodes. You can even subscribe so that you get the first bill of our uh, – well, not bill. That's not the, the, the right word. You can get the very first next episode that comes out on every Sunday. Usually we, do, we publish on Sunday, right, Ben? I think people know how subscriptions work. Oh, right. right. You need to explain so you'll get the it subscription immediately, model. And you can subscribe using your favorite podcast client or to your favorite podcast client. Uh, we've got iTunes support. We've got Apple Podcast support. We've got Google Play Music. And we're also in Google Podcasts. We're in ooh, Spotify. We're in CastBox and probably Pocket Cast as well. So you can find us on all of those uh, clients. That is so sweet. Um, you can also find us on Facebook, Unnamed Automotive Podcast. It's our beautiful red logo there. And if you want to get in touch with us, there's a number of ways to do that. I recommend um, social media. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Sammy underscore Ha. And you can find Ben on Instagram. He's a much more visual person in that way. He's at Hunting Benjamin. 
If you want to be a little bit more private, you can send us an email. Ben prefers to do that uh, directly to him because he filters all the hate mail. Um, it's ben at benjaminhunting.com. That's actually not my email address. It's benjamin at benjaminhunting.com. Oh, no! 106 episodes later, and Sammy's still only paying half attention to my life. That's true. Um, we also have a contact form on the website. So unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. You can find us there as well. And what are we going to be talking about next week, Sammy? Next week is a little... I don't know if it's as exciting as this week. We had some really... Don't downplay the episode. Oh, true. <laughs> like, uh, uh, yeah, don't bother next week. Maybe <laughs> skip. Maybe just unsubscribe right now because it doesn't get better than this. I've got the new Nissan Murano and Nissan Maxima 2019 models, which are gorgeous as always, and I can't wait to talk to you about those. What about you? What are you driving? I'm going to talk about the 2019 Ford Ranger, which what? is a pickup truck. Yeah, remember that? Remember the Ranger? It's back from the dead, and it's on sale very soon. Actually, about a month from now, it's going to be in dealerships. Like so that will that will be fun. I had the chance to drive that on-road, off-road, and all sorts of other roads, and I'm looking forward to talking about it. And I can't wait to hear that myself because the Ranger is such an impressive vehicle or important vehicle. Uh, I don't know if it's impressive at all because you drove it. So check back with us next week. Bye.